And welcome back to another episode of At Least It's Not Rocket Science. I'm your host, Nathaniel, accompanied by my co-host, JJ, and accompanied by my co-host, Kyle. And today, we we don't quite have a guest today, but we do have a couple topics to talk about. Uh, just recently, we launched our FRR, our full-scale test launch of our rocket. Uh, we also had a couple of exams during this, this week, aside from our rocket, and preparing for everything that's ahead of us. It seems like the team, unfortunately, we will be doing an addendum, but you learn from your mistakes, and we're going to come back harder, and hopefully we, we see maybe f- top three at the competition. Yeah, so we, uh, we've been, it's important to always remember that, you know, as much as we talk about this US Alive project, we still have classes going on all at the same time, and perhaps that may make us miserable at times, <laughs> uh, happy at others, uh, but for right now... Uh, I think that we're we're okay. We're surviving, we'll say. But I think that just might be engineering school in general. And so we do have a new flight date planned for our uh, full-scale uh, rocket. We've actually coined it as uh, Overkill, uh, again, from our, our mentor, Gary Leach. Shout out. Always saying that we did things uh, overkill or that we, uh, we over-engineered it. So that's the name of our rocket. We're actually going to get it painted um, based on the design that uh, we can talk about in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Kyle, what did, what did we do last week uh, a- or right before the FRR? We had a OMSI visit. So OMSI let us come out with our rocket, some tables, and some props, and set up a table, basically. And we had, like, 200 and how many? 205? 285 285 people. people. Uh, come and participate and talk with us about the rocket. We had little uh, printouts uh, with a rocket design. We handed out pretty much all of them. We had yeah, like over two hundred. We had to print more. Yeah, we had to print more. I brought like <clears throat> eighty. You brought thirty. Yeah. Uh, we we had a lot of those copies, and we ran out. And then uh, Omsi was kind enough to print out another hundred, and we ran out of all of that too. For so reference. Well, sorry to cut you off. OMSI is the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's a great museum. You guys should totally check them out. Uh, Really great kids' museums if you got kids. They have revolving exhibits, so everything is different all the time. Yeah, I think it was Marvel when we were there. Yeah. Like a Marvel event. Yeah, but I remember going in with my cousin years and years ago, and they had like an Egyptian exhibit. Yeah, that one was cool. And they had the mummies in there? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so lots of cool stuff. And I was talking with them. They might have a dinosaur one coming up here in like six or seven Ooh, months. Dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaurs are great. Um, um, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, because FRR, like one of the requirements was to have all of our STEM engagement done by then. And our final tally, I believe, was around 510 participants. So little golf clap And, for and us. what was our, what's the limit or our, our max that we have to reach? Or minimum, I should say. Minimum. I should say that we have to reach like 250. 250. Yeah. And we did the all at OMSI. Yeah, so yeah, we, did that, we did that in one day, technically. So but we also had prior <laughs> STEM that we did. Yeah. So I'm going to hand off my, my contacts with OMSI to the next team. Mm-hmm. And they can just probably knock that out in one day. Let's hope so. I mean, yeah, because we were hoping for a minimum of like 100 people at like most. Or maximum, I guess, of 100 people at mm-hmm. OMSI. But there was, like, several events going on, and they placed us in the planetarium hallway. And so we basically just got to – we got to talk to everyone. And the kids, they took our, our sheet drawings of the rocket with, like, the silhouette. And basically we told them, you know, have you ever wanted to design a rocket? Like, you know, tell us what's in here, what's in here. And, we, we you know, we were talking to the kids and the adults. We tuned it to each audience, of course. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, whoa, what do you think is in this part of the rocket? And we'd point to the, you know, our real-life version we have on the table there. Like, what do you think goes in here? Like, what do you think <laughs> you should put in here? Interest, interesting enough. Uh, a lot, half of that were adult participants, yes. not just not just kids. Yes, exactly. Of all ages, but like the adults were coming up, going, "Hey, this looks interesting." Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about the college and things like that. And we ran into a OSU alumni, several actually. Yeah. Uh, talking about they weren't engineering alumni, but they were. Oh, you guys are from OSU, mm-hmm. and we, you know, got that repertoire 
Yeah, I mean, and we got a few pictures outside of OMSI. OMSI retweeted us on our Instagram, mm-hmm. which is Oregon State USLI. So that was awesome. And uh, basically, the kids drew on the sheets at the end, and uh, we said, you know, we're gonna vote on the the vote on one of the designs, and we'll paint the rocket that design. And so that certainly helped uh, pick up the parents' attention as well as the kids. And we got uh, a, like 120 forms that or 120 of those rocket sheets that I took home. Some some of the kids and parents took them home, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, hey, they worked hard on those. They did. <laughs> and so uh, I took the ones that were given to us home. They wrote their names on it. It was funny. A few of them wrote their emails or like their phone numbers on it. I thought that was pretty funny. Kids? Yeah, Seriously? the kids, yeah. And so then these I... Are, these guys are like eight years old. I know. Why do you, why do you have the phone number? <laughs> and then... Uh, or an email. So <laughs> we, I took them home, and I took pictures of all of them. And then we've actually voted on the winning one, which uh, I wish I could show a photo. Maybe I'll, I'll, we're going to put it on our Instagram. It will be revealed. We, yeah, it will It'll be revealed. Our rocket will look like it. Yes, and uh, we're actually working on getting it painted. Uh, there is a deadline for our photo for a competition that we might not make. Um, with the rocket painted, we might just have to submit a photo of our rocket just as is, but then we'll have it painted after. Just Photoshop. Yeah, pho- yeah, Photoshop <laughs> it. I'll, we'll send a. We'll make sure we send a picture of the rocket design with the rocket, and say like, "Hey, it'll look like this." You know what I mean? Yeah. The piece just, of paper. Mm-hmm. Although it looks like this, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we got our STEM engagement, and then FRR. We went to all of us went to work on that. Uh, the three days after. Basically, uh, up until Sunday night in which we submitted. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, it was not as many pages as our critical design review, but it was only 135. I thought it was 154. I thought it was 135. They, no, you're, don't you dare say 154 around me. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle has just accidentally referenced something that has become a jo- somewhat of a, a team joke in... Uh, totally unintentional, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. Honestly, <laughs> a team a joke in aerospace uh, uh, 411 with Dr. Albertani. He showed a video in class where it's a plane breaking due to stresses, like a stress test, and it just says 154, 154, repeatedly. And so everyone has become... Uh, loud booming noises of yeah, the wing yeah, breaking. Yeah, breaking. So Kyle has accidentally just referenced that. <laughs> Oops. Uh, and so our FRR uh, presentation is actually next week, the 16th. So um, we'll try to give updates on how that went when the time comes. Uh, and after that, we basically just need to launch our rocket again until it succeeds and then fill out uh, the paperwork after that happens and then send it into NASA in which they will say, you're either going to Huntsville or you need to launch again or you're not going to Huntsville. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we're down to the wire now. I would say we, have, we are at the 95% mark. No pressure. No pressure at all, right? <laughs> we only need this this last this next one to go very well, or the one after that to go well because we don't have any motors after this. Uh, and so, if the last one goes well, we need to somehow find a motor. We might have to drive through a state that has a motor, and, I mean, and get it. So I've been thinking change. about this a lot as well. We could either get one from Wildman as we've always done, mm-hmm. or while we're up at Goldendale at the launch, see if they have the same L fifteen twenty motor. We'll have to try. Uh, first, we got to see if there's one at the the launch, and then if oh, because we, we could launch twice at Goldendale. We could. I don't we know if you want to do that, but we could. If it, something goes wrong, I think we should bring more sheer pins. Yeah, we're gonna bring everything <laughs> for sure. You guys are hearing, order more. So we can hearing a little bit behind. He bought like forty. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're hearing a little bit behind the curtain right now. Oh, the shear pins? Yeah, I bought a lot. Because <laughs> if we have the motors, if we have like an extra motor, we go there and we can launch twice in one day if we need to. Yeah. I mean, we're getting two motors Saturday anyways, regardless. Yeah. So if they have that same motor, they could launch again. We could launch again. Yes. Which would be beneficial. We'll say. Okay. So the only thing bring, we'll need to do though is we'll need to bring um, some stuff to clean out the motor casing. We can do that. So to bring some order to the chaos for those listening, uh, what went wrong on FRR? So uh, that's been a, a topic of much discussion over these past few weeks. Nathaniel and I, uh, we've been working heavily with our avionics, which we believe one of them went all wonky. Uh, one the of the, telemega. The, the pressure sensors on the telemega was faulty and was reading a constant reading according to the telemega data yeah um 
And then after emailing uh, with the Altus Mentrum's coder, Mr. Packard, um, he told me that basically because the, the firmware that's on the Telemega, the communication between the flight computer and the ground station sending packages through what's called the SPI bus, it gets overloaded. And then therefore the sensor and basically everything on the flight computer just freezes. Now, the Telomega, when it's coming back from Apogee, it uses the barometric, barometric pressure in order to detect when to deploy the main. And, and the accelerometer, right? Not for, or yeah, for Apogee, yeah. The accelerometer uses Apogee with the accelerometer, but for the main, when it's coming back down for that uh, 650 foot. Barometric pressure. That's all barometric. So the Telomega is useless after Apogee. If the barometric pressure doesn't, or if the sensor doesn't work. Yes. So how Correct. did that affect our launch exactly for those listening? So should we should we first go back a bit and just explain the launch? Like yeah. explain like how it went <laughs> That's down. good. That's we, good. We so, did kind of get ahead of we ourselves. We gave you just yeah. a little taste. Um, so, so I can you, I can explain the way there if you want to explain the flight. Sure. Yeah, go for it. So <clears throat> this was this was like a, a of course it's like Oregon always has to have bad weather and we need the launch. And so we'd been communicating with our mentor, Gary, uh, for a very long time uh, beforehand about when we were going to launch and where and why and, you know, how. And Gary, uh, as we may have mentioned before, was in New York for his mother's birthday. And so he could only be the flyer of record for a certain amount of time. And he sent me all the forms and the emails to or all the people to email for a flight waiver. And so we filled out our flight waiver for um February 24th, 25th, and 26th. And as it turns out, there <laughs> there's going to be a winter storm heading over to Brothers, uh, Oregon, which is around Bend. And so the Cascades essentially were going to be inundated with snow and ice. But as it turns out, that happened on Thursday, and Friday is when we drove down, uh, and we went midday in order to avoid all the snow and ice. It was still a bit uh, treacherous getting over there, but we stayed for uh, a night in Redmond at an Airbnb. We worked on the rocket. And then we were pretty much up all night, uh, Nathaniel and I were, up to like 4 a.m. working on everything. And uh, we got up at the crack of dawn and we drove. 6 a.m.? We drove to, and also, I forgot to mention, uh, in Redmond at night and, and during the mornings, uh, it was like 6 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was uh, below zero uh, both times, <laughs> below or below freezing both times. Nippy, yeah. yeah, and so we we got out there. Uh, my car almost didn't start because it was so cold, <laughs> and I drove a Jeep. And then Isaac's car almost slipped out because his tires are bald. Thank goodness the Jeep did so well, and thank goodness his truck did. But then we drove out to Brothers that morning, a very early, very cold, very windy. And thankfully, it was sunny enough for us to launch. And we assembled the rocket right there on the pad. And when I hit the launch button, what happened, Nathaniel? Ah, uh, yes. We had a very nice flight up until after burnout. We went to our coasting phase, and then if you watch the video, you see a puff of smoke slash separation occur, which is uh, our main chute, or our drogue chute deploying, I should say, not main chute, our drogue chute deploying. And then a couple seconds after that, you see another event occur, which is our main chute deploying. And this is all during the ascent phase. Uh, then after that, we actually see the rocket come down very nicely and slowly for about half a mile. Is that what we calculated? Yeah, because the main chute deployed early. Yeah, uh, we didn't hit Apogee. We were off by 1,000, so we hit 3,779 feet. Um, so I guess a little bit more than 1,000 because our goal is 4,782 feet. Um, but aside from that, everything else worked phenomenally. Uh, we even got... A kudos from our mentor Gary to the recovery team Heck as well yeah. as the structures team for the launch vehicle surviving all of that. Yeah, it um, hit 10 G's. Yeah, the maximum <laughs> one was 10 G's. Uh, and then normally what you'd see is zippering on your airframe when you go up and you eject during ascent. Uh, luckily, our fiberglass airframe seemed like it withstood everything and our Kevlar shock cord. <laughs> I mean, the Kevlar shock cord that's gonna it's gonna take a lot of beating. Yeah, a fun fact about this Kevlar shock cord is that our our squill or our quick links that we use that have like a little uh, like a little roller attachment like that you'd use for like a, just permanently attaching things 
uh, it can hold like 2,200 pounds each. They're like three-eighths inch. Our our shot cord can take 6,000 pounds each for the half-inch shot cord, so our quick links will break before our Kevlar shot cord actually and does. And then our swivels for the parachute and the, the drogue and the main parachutes? It's like 35 kilonewtons. Yep. Yeah. 7,000 pounds about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Hence the name of the rocket. Overkill. <laughs> yep. So... But yeah, the rocket landed. Uh, I didn't, you know, I don't remember seeing you run out that half mile with us, Nathaniel. I did not. Or I you did. you either, Kyle. <laughs> so I was on part of the, the rocket recovery team at that point, and we were just, because we could see the, okay, so one thing to know about the launch site in Brothers is that there is sagebrush everywhere. And so our our main concern was that we would lose the rocket out there and so what we did was we just chased after it as fast as we could. And by doing that, we were able to keep... Oh, sorry, the audio is going all weird. We were able to keep uh, keep sight on the rocket uh, all at once to make sure that uh, we didn't lose it. And finally, we, we chased after it long enough that uh, we saw the wind picking up the parachute. Uh, like, you could probably even see it from the launch site. Yeah, we could see the, yeah. the parachute just going up and down all the yeah. way from the launch site. Um, we were also looking at the gps from the telemega because i mean the gps still worked mm-hmm. uh when we tried to radio you guys we heard radio silence so we assumed we that the radio on it that on makes it. sense yeah the radio was in my jeep i think well i'd like <laughs> to defend myself so. no 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 you're, you're, I'm not, that was not shade i was not throwing shade well like ian has these really cool binoculars and he was looking at it and i'm like hey can i can i take a look at it and he goes okay here Push it, push it to me and goes, take care of that. And then he sprints off. <laughs> Attaboy, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I'm watching you guys. And these are amazing binoculars. There's like a zoom function and all these. And I can like see forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, you know, spotting for like sniping and, and stuff yeah. like that. They're great. Um, and I just see you guys way out there. And you guys chasing the parachute. <laughs> well, I was, well, because... Isaac and I were out there, and he was like, "Oh no, there's a hole in it. There's a hole in it." I'm like, "It's built to have a hole in it. I think it's, I think it's fine." And like, I could see like the sh- the sun shining off of like the orange parts of the the parachute. So I was like, "I think the parachute's probably fine." But the wind was picking up the parachute as well as part of like the rocket, due to how windy it was, because it was like seven mile per hour winds, mm-hmm. and up in the air, I'm sure that's what part of what contributed to our our lower altitude as well. I was gonna say it's kind of funny when you look at the flight data, you can see the the drag data on the ground yeah. as well, and you're just like, because I was looking, I was like, huh, what what is what, going what's on what here? Happened there? And then like I was looking at the the videos and the recovery photos, I'm like, oh, this is the drag of the ground. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's one part that I uh, that I was gonna mention is because I was on the recovery team, I was the only one here that saw the damage that happened and the damage that the rocket did to the ground. The rocket works as a shovel pretty well, apparently, because even <laughs> despite the ground being frozen, it being like 20 degrees out there and our our fins being made of like plywood and fiberglass, the, the fiberglass layups and all that worked out really well and our nose cone worked out well because it dragged maybe like 20 or 30 yards in the wind and it just cut uh, like slots into the ground, filling the body with snow, mind you. Made a trench. It made a trench. Yeah, we dug a trench with our rocket. But I think I described it as a trench in FRR as well. Yeah. And it worked, but, it, you know, it survived. And that's <laughs> what really matters because we needed to fly it again. And, we, and then let's hope uh, everything goes well at Goldendale. But I feel like uh, we might be damaging some ground there even if we succeed. Well, in yeah. uh, Alabama, it's going to be farm field, field, right? Yeah. We'll just plow their fields for them. Yeah, exactly. We can charge them while we do it. <clears throat> but, yeah, the, the, the Telemega flight... Uh, Nathaniel's been awesome about getting a hold of the the inventor of the Altus Metrum stuff and the programmer. I think are one and the same. And they've actually it's kind of awkward because like I'll, I'll email them like during the day thinking oh you know these are perfect prime business hours yeah and then I'll get an email like ten at night and then I'll email <laughs> back and an instant email response. What I'm time like, zone are they in? That's a good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't I mean, like looked into that. They're also engineers too. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true too. No, that's Our fair. best hours are late. But uh, I guess looking at the Telemega now that we have it back up, uh, what happened was the due to the constant pressure reading, uh, it's reading in acceler- accelerometer data, and it's taking the pressure reading, and then it 
kind of calculates, oh, we're not an Apogee, we're not an Apogee. It, cross, it crosses them to ensure that they're both accurate. Correct. But since we have a constant pressure reading, the Telomega is like, I'm not sure what's going on. And it detected a false Apogee and said, yeah, we need to go now. And so our Telomega fired off our drogue shoot, which came out. And then after that, it made our Easy Make, our backup flight computer, kind of be like, uh, I don't know what's going on. So it registered that there was a drug that deployed. And then a few seconds later, you can see that it says, I'm going to deploy my main now because that Apogee was not true Apogee. And I don't know what's going on. So then our main just came out as well. Um, it's like a, it might be like a safe deployment fail safe. That's still in the like works. A, like We're trying a, to a find failure. out. Yeah. Um, but at first we thought we, we just wired them wrong. Uh, the the wires backwards and we thought that maybe we wired our backup for our main to the um telemega because when we recovered our rocket we found on the bulkheads that two black powder charges did not go off and it was kind of weird because we had one of our mains and one of our backups that did not go off now the telemega is our main flight computer so both charge wells that say main are hooked up to the telemega and that would have been completely my fault because uh, i wired let's not go there yet. hold on hold on uh, and then the other chargers, the backups, those are both wired up to the Easy Mega. And so now that we saw one main that didn't go off and one backup that didn't go off, we were like, huh, maybe it was just a wiring issue. But yeah. after further investigating the flight data, you can see that, no, it's not a, it wasn't a wiring issue. It was more of a, the Telemega went off, barometric pressure was constant. It didn't fire off the main because it didn't know what was going on. And then the Easy Mega was like, hey... This is not. This is what's going. Yeah, pretty on. much. What's going on? And was like, <laughs> we're firing now as well. And yeah. And this is why we have backups. Yeah, because honestly, if the Easy Mega has that kind of built-in, like something is amiss here, let's just let's just go off just to make sure the rocket doesn't, you know, crash into the ground. Then that'd be great. And it's funny because you can definitely tell that something is wrong with the data from the Telemega, which. We didn't realize beforehand, but I, I was trying to do testing with it, um, you know, maybe like uh, a few months back, November. And with that same Telemega that we flew on the, the rocket in Brothers, it uh, I managed to make it trigger flight, which the trigger for flight is really kind of hard to do. You need to have like two Gs of acceleration in an upwards direction, or you need to be at least 20 meters above ground level and then also be like 10 meter per second velocity. So basically, it's like detecting you boost. <clears throat> and I managed to get it to falsely trigger, and the data showed up, and I was like, oh, whoa, this is cool. But what I didn't look at was that the height data for its like maximum and minimum heights, if you look at the data for our brother's flight as well as this, this false test flight that I did, <laughs> well, it turns out that uh, it reads an altitude in nanometers. And for those of you that don't know, a nanometer is one billionth of a meter. And I can tell you that I was moving it on, on like a matter of meters, not nanometers. And at the uh, brother's site, even our rocket was moving it, you know, three thousand seven hundred seventy nine feet. Yeah, you can see obviously that the that the rocket is much higher. It also it only said like six point five seconds. Like it only detected up to the apogee. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you said six point six point five. Yeah, I think that's because the code just overloaded. Sounds like a filter issue. It was it was so it was strange. So many data points we at the should, same time. And we it just went, nope. Yeah, we should <laughs> save the data off of the Telemega and Easy Megas that are in there and then delete it on the board too. I mean I already have them saved. You do? You have yeah. all of it saved? Yeah. Well we we'll double check when we get there and I'll just I'll clean up the Telemegas while you do the calculations for pressure. Sorry, we're planning work after this. <laughs> yeah, so uh after this we're pretty much gonna go calculate Shear pins, because we're moving from 256 to 440s. Kind of back to the flight again. Uh, aside from the Telemega going off, another theory that the team had was uh, drag separation, which would have been due to our 256 shear pins, which are much thinner than uh, our 440 uh, shear pins that we're going to switch to. Now, what drag separation is, is basically as your rocket goes up, you get into what's called uh, the burnout phase, which is right after the motor burns out, of course. And now you're having no acceleration or no force pushing up towards the sky. And you have force pushing down towards the ground from the wind, which is what's called drag. 
and you also have another force pushing down, which is your gravity. And now that drag force is acting on your rocket, and these pins are holding the rocket together. Now, if that force is too stronger than what the pins can hold, then you're gonna your rocket's gonna separate. Now, you might be thinking like, well, don't you want your rocket to separate? Well, yes, we do, but we want that to happen at Apogee, which is why we have our ejection charges. We want it to happen when we want it to happen. Exactly. Not when the rocket wants it to happen. Right. And so after this, we're going to be doing some uh, more calculations to ensure that we don't have drag separation, aside from that uh, mitigating that faulty flight sensor issue that we were having. Yeah. So after that gets all taken care of, I think we'll is next on our list is putting the electronics into the payload for the yes. flight this 25th. So that'll be fun. Yeah, the payload, we forgot to mention, uh, your your masterpiece, the nose cone, too. You want to mention that? Yeah, so what we had for this last flight the with the drag separation, pay- payload worked perfectly. It was a mechanical payload, so it was all the moving bits just without the electronics inside so the mass was was the same we weighted it so everything's the same so next time next time we fly we want to wire it hook it up put the camera on it and we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> but what was the nose cone made out of color? oh the nose cone oh mm-hmm. yeah so interesting actually uh in- interesting enough where Isaac who helped design it uh then James and I helped you know make it happen uh, he wants to go to Dr. Campbell, mm-hmm. I believe, and ask if he can sponsor us for a research paper on it. Yeah, because I remember when we were, because we were messing, I was the one that was, uh, you know, unsheathing the nose cone, the original <laughs> idea where we were just going to make one out of fiberglass only. And I was like, this is, this is stinky. <laughs> this is not working. Like, I, it's like, this is, I'm just, I have to like rip this fiberglass off. And so I looked at James chaplain our structures lead and i was like couldn't we just do like a 3d printed like inner like skeleton and make the muscle the fiberglass and he's like yeah i guess we could do that so there was (laughs) there was some some issues with like the whole thing you guys uh one didn't put enough mold release uh two uh Hey, I, I, was, I wasn't a part of that team at the time yeah i wasn't there either so no no it's okay You, you know learning yeah uh so the mold release lets the resin not bind to whatever you're using as a mold, mm-hmm. you know, hence mold release. Yeah. And you guys only did like two plies, one ply all the way around. So mm-hmm. it's very flimsy. So even if you could get it off, it might not come off in one piece, which it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It came off in pieces because I had to cut it off. Keep in mind, this is like really expensive paper mache. Yeah. Um. And then with the mold that we did was a 3D printed mold, which was awesome, mm-hmm. but we didn't buff it enough. So there was a lot of little crevices that mm-hmm. the resin would, you know, bind it to. Then you guys tried to do some saran wrap or, or something. Yeah, I think James tried to do James, saran wrap. James, actually, Jason and I went and got the saran wrap. Yeah, I, I think that actually worked pretty well because it we had a problem with voids, and it actually did take some voids out. It just yeah. made it messy. So, Which if you're... We're, Trying to go for low drag, we couldn't really work with messy. And by voids, you mean like bubbles, right? Air bubbles, things where the the resin isn't uh, binding, so it's a debonding delamination de- problem. Um, but the the saran wrap worked, and fixing that, it just made the surface unacceptable for 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 the rocket. Yeah. So you and I had came up with the idea separately on our own and we're like, Hmm, what if we just did a 3d print? Cause I think you and Isaac were working on that. And then I messaged Isaac and you know, we had that aha moments. So Dr. Grieven, is he a doctor? Anyway, professor Grieven. He's awesome. Anyway, professor Grieven. Our capstone professor. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Shout out John. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, it's working with HP and their 3d print, printer called a mjf printer yeah multi-jet multi-jet technology where it works by using three types of i think filaments is the proper term where you have a you know it goes over the design once lays out like the basic design goes over it again puts down the reactive and then it shoots it with like uv rays or something it cures it yeah cures it um which is an instant process it and actually bonds it to 
to each other on a molecular level. It has a nanometer precision, mm -hmm. which is great. We should have taken that into account. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Next, uh, next team. Yeah, is, that's uh, a good point. We're gonna we're gonna tell them all about this. Um, but it's stronger and it's sturdier and slighter than all the other forms of 3D printing that we have access to. Mm -hmm. So Isaac designed and sent over the, the nose cone design and we thought about having a, the 3D printed core basically is what we, the term that we use for composites. Yeah. It's the mold, it's gonna have all the internal uh, initial structures and then we're going to do a fiberglass layup around it which I think worked out to be like five plies or layers um, and yeah, so that takes all the the main compressive and tensile tensile force. You're pushing and you're pullings. Yep, um, and it worked really well because <laughs> yeah, that thing that thing was was solid. That, that thing cannot be scratched on the, the fiberglass because like it's been dropped, it's been banged around, and it's you know survived the trip in the back of a, a truck. Yeah, then uh, dragged twenty feet. And 60 feet 60 yeah. feet yeah it also uh, landed it like got dragged into a bush too yeah and the, Bushes the payload and still stayed up snow and ice and rocks yeah. and gravel and all that but then uh i think isaac also made and manufactured the he, uh, the nose cone tip the aluminum tip which yeah. is sharp as <laughs> yeah it's uh it looks the whole thing looks it looks very nice and i would like to mention also nathaniel and i's ballast <laughs> so yeah so we're gonna. So we've been we've been talking about rocketry for a long time. We'll try to move on soon. But ballasting the rocket is good uh, because ballasting essentially is a mass that you would put further up in the rocket away from the motor, because that raises the stability of the rocket, which essentially raises the center of gravity away from the center of pressure. So you want it to be at least one body tube uh, diameter away. But for our NASA competition, we need to have it be at least two. So our center pressure needs to be at least. 12 inches behind our center of gravity. And so we have this fancy software called Open Rocket that we use to figure out uh, where that uh, CP and CG is. And so we determined that our ballast needed to be like 56 or 59 ounces. Yep. And our final ballast got pretty close. And the way that we did that, because we originally we were going to like weld a plate or like aluminum, you know, and put yeah. it in the rocket on the threaded rod that's in there. But instead, Nathaniel comes to me at, uh, at like, Nine or nine or ten p.m. That was like eleven thirty p.m. Not am eleven thirty p.m. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. He's like, I got an idea for the ballast. And so we hop in a Discord call, and he mentions, he's like, a Dasani bottle. I'm like, what? Yeah, a Dasani bottle. bottle. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's actually not a, as like a Dasani bottle might be too small, but if we can get a like a big enough volume, and I said like a Gatorade bottle. Mm -hmm. And we didn't end up finding a Gatorade bottle, but I found a Snapple bottle the morning <laughs> that we left for Brothers. We just needed a 32-fluid-ounce yeah, bottle. It, it needed to be 32 <laughs> ounces because we were going to fill it with sand that I already knew the density of, which was ended up being pretty close to the, the one that we had. And so when I, I got there that morning, because uh, Nathaniel was busy that morning, I got there and I, I drank all the juice in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, pounded all the juice in it. And then I uh, I filled it with sand and I weighed it out and I put the because the nose cone tip is part of our ballast and I set it on there and I was like my god I was like it's like fifty I was like put all the bolts and the washers on I was like it's like fifty six it's like fifty six point three ounces I'm like that's close that's enough perfect. baby yeah. that's close enough <laughs> and so you know I I drilled a hole through the tip of the of the cap and then through the bottom of the Snapple bottle. And then I filled it with sand, and you could thread the rod right on there. And I put a bunch of washers on the bottom with like super glue to make sure like no sand spilled out. And it has the wrapper on it too, still. <laughs> but it it launched, and it hit the ground. And you know what? Not a bit of sand spilled out nope. of that nose cone. And, and the nice thing about this ballast too is that we can, if we ever choose to, reballast. Yeah. We don't have to create a new nose cone. Yep. We don't have to go through the whole process of you know like. What we've normally done for ballast is where you, with our L1s, you drill out the nose, the back end of the nose cone, you fill it up with a mixture of epoxy and sand, and then that will just stay at the bottom or at the tip of the nose cone. Yeah. Because you have the nose cone upside down, so the tip's pointing down to the ground, so you're using gravity to help you center all that mass. With this idea, we literally just put that Snapple bottle in there, and if we want to, we can take it out, and we can't really add more. 
Yeah, we different soda. Take a bottle. You got to get a different bottle, put it in there. Esticated so, ingenuity. It's basically reuse, renew, recycle. recycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it I it's it honestly it worked fantastic and it looks so funny when you pull it out too because it because the whole rocket looks like so professional and then you just pull out our, <laughs> you pull out the the ballast from our nose cone it's a good and, metaphor uh, for the team yeah it's true <laughs> it looks professional but as long as it works right yep. and so it looks funny it's actually there's a few photos of it in i think our, our flight readiness review of the ballast i think it's of me holding the ballast like when we were in Redmond. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like me sleep deprived after driving for like four hours. Wait, you said you put that in the FRR? I think that's in the FRR. It is. I remember seeing <laughs> I wanna, it. I, I want to know NASA's uh, reaction to that. I think <laughs> it's also in the PowerPoint slide. I cropped it to not possess, to possess me. Yeah, I cropped it just <laughs> oh, to include okay. like the bottle. Either way, I, I our... Uh, Presentation to NASA is like what next Wednesday? Yeah, next Thursday. It's next the sixteenth. Yeah. So we will we will find the reaction. <laughs> they, I mean, they. I think that they find us the professionally entertaining. I think is what I would call us. Um, I think that they think it's you know it's nice that we're having fun, right? Look at those yeah. crazy kids. Like, cause they they were laughing at our our old patch, which had our uh, gra- gravity uh, the the gravity operated orb payload, the goop, which kind of looks one. like the Star Wars BB-8. Yeah, and uh, they pointed it out, and they were kind of laughing at it, and uh, it was it was nice to see that, and also asking us about the podcast too. So uh, I think that they they would be fine with it. Also, it's I just mean, like I- it's in it's bu- as built, right? They asked for those photos, so it's like as built photos. Mm-hmm. We should also, you know, give them a shout out too, because oh, it, definitely. If it wasn't for um, Mr. Eckert, Allison, and uh, Zach, Zachary, yeah, uh, we wouldn't really be here because the competition wouldn't be a thing. So yes, and uh, also, oops, sorry, mic issue, and also uh, John Lingall for also helping, uh, you know, give us feedback on the. Uh, I know he's a, a NAR. Uh, member who gives feedback during our presentations, and so we also appreciate his help. As well as a few other people that are in that uh, call when we do our presentations. I, I don't really see all the names because, I mean, our screen only fits so much. And we're nervous. And yeah, we are nervous, <laughs> but uh, like anyone that is in our FRR presentation calls, uh, thank you for allowing this experience and this opportunity to happen. Yeah, your feedback and all of your help and your comments, they're all greatly appreciated. And again, yeah, it's just preparing us for, you know, the workforce. The jobs that, that we want are in this industry. And, of course, Gary, because we know that you're listening. Shout out, Always Gary. Always thank you. <laughs> thank you for every ounce of recommendations Number one and biggest guidance. fan. Yeah. Yes. We should get Gary. Uh, we want to make stickers uh, for the podcast, maybe through KBVR, because I think that they have stickers. I think that we should definitely give Gary the first one. Yeah, I mean, we have to. We have to sign it, too. Yeah, we do have to sign it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So I also have to get our team jerseys still. That's a, that, that that's probably going to be coming out of uh, of pocket pretty soon here. You know, I don't see the I don't see the photo of the ballast in here. That's unfortunate. We could put it on uh, social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we could, couldn't we? <laughs> we could crop it out again if you want. No, nah, I'd be fine with it. I just look, uh, I look wild in that photo. So just make sure to check out uh, Oregon State USLI at Instagram. Yeah. Or Twitter and as well as LinkedIn. Yeah, we have a LinkedIn and a Twitter. Those are actually linked in our uh, in our media release form, which I still have yet to, to submit at this time. <laughs> So, oh yeah, you can see some of the, the the large scrapes in the ground. I'll try to post some of these photos too. But yeah, I think that we've probably been talking about rockets long enough. Hopefully, the audience is still with us here. <laughs> so, but speaking of non-student-made rockets, well, I guess students in one way or another, there was a certain launch that was going to be happening soon, wasn't there? Or it happened? The Dragon Crew Six. There was that, a, that there was a few happened. attempts. Yeah, that, that happened. That I happened. remember there being a few attempts. I didn't know if it actually happened. No, yeah. they did it at like midnight their time, like nine forty-five something our time. It was eight forty-five. Yeah, eight forty-five. Cape Canaveral. was it Cape Canaveral? It was at a SpaceX launch site. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like a partnered SpaceX NASA Mm -hmm. mission. That's what the Dragon is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a combo of both. Yeah. 
But that was a very interesting launch. Did you want to go into the their mission? Yeah, please. Or, I, sure. I, I have not um, had a chance to watch it, so you guys are you guys are educating. So there's me. a, I believe it was four members, uh, and it was actually a very diverse group of astronauts. Uh, there was a cosmonaut on there. There was um, one guy from MIT on there. There was another guy that was, I'm not quite. I don't remember exactly where he was from, but um, uh, from another country again. And basically, this this um, mission is for them to go up to the ISS and then do some uh, experiments. Yeah, because it was like a six month mission, and then they'll come back down. Yep. And they were testing the new spacesuits that SpaceX came out. The mm-hmm. new, all the new SpaceX systems, some life support checks, some basically taking and reading data for like commercial use, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. And like this is going to be like a step forward into not only space for exploration and science, but a step forward for space as a commercial view as well. Yeah, because once we privatize this, it's, people are going to be going up all the time. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the free ride with NASA. <laughs> I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it outside of it. NASA. The Artemis. If yeah, I was gonna say NASA. If you're looking for an astronaut, up up and coming, I'm working on it. Just just save me a seat, please. That's all that I ask. Maybe shirt enough. <laughs> I, it's, it's true, actually. That's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I when I did my NASA Community College Aerospace Scholars shout out, shout out to Alex Gladney Lemon. Uh, he went to U of O. I know, I know. Hold your hold your booze, please. <laughs> um, he went to uh, U of O, and he's from Oregon, and he was, I believe, either the head or one of the head STEM engagement coordinators at Johnson Space Center. Now, I went down and did the NCAS competition at uh, Ames Research Center, as I may have mentioned before. But when I was a student assistant, I came back, and he had mentioned that they had just opened up the civilian like astronaut program, and that you needed like a master's or like certain pilot hours. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned that he had just got his rejection letter because he was 6'3", and, like, the, the tallest you could be, I think, is, like, 6'2", or 6'1". They're not going to want me, then. I'm, nope. like, 6'4". So. Yeah. Well, it's, like, the it's like the shortest. It's basically just so you can easily get into, like, a suit and then also, like, through the door. Because you think about, like, a spacesuit well, makes you probably, like, another, like, four or five inches also taller. also engineering requirements, like, for the, like, Navy and Air Force, if you're, like, above, like, 6'2", you might get your head chopped off. Oh, with the, the, the with the propellers of like not just a, the propellers, but if you, the ejection system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, it, so, it's, uh, the height is a dangerous. Well, it's like a lot of the astronauts. I don't even remember the shortest astronaut, but I think he was like five six or five eight. I don't remember his name, so I won't try to recall it from memory. It's a mass game, you know. Yeah, and the shorter people can, you can have tighter engineering tolerances. That's a that's a very fair point. Not to bring us too off track here, but do you ever think about think about this? Okay. Imagine the following, okay? Close your eyes. Think with me, viewer, (laughs) watcher, listener. Think, okay? It's extremely expensive to launch a shuttle, a space shuttle, a space mission, okay? And it's so expensive that there is a, there is definitely, I've seen it before, but I don't know, like, the equation off the top of my head. There's a cost per mass per rocket, right? Yep. Like, one pound equals probably, like, 40 bucks or something like that. Or you know, there's something way more. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing, I'm just, bucks, I'm just huh? throwing out numbers. I mean, you here. might be, you know, right because you're talking in tonnage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just throwing, I'm just like throwing out numbers here. And so, if you think about that, like, <laughs> kind of like your your parents telling you to to use the bathroom before you leave. Do you think that NASA's like, all right? Everyone go to the bathroom before you get on the shuttle, or everyone go to the bathroom before you get on the mission because just to lose those that five co- pounds. Yeah, just because like maybe communally you're losing like five or six pounds, but maybe that equals like six hundred to seven hundred dollars or something like that. You know. You know that actually might be relevant, really relevant for longer space missions where you're going further and further out, where even by like half or a tenth of a de- degree off mm-hmm. can affect your 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 flight. Yeah, exactly. So that, that extra pound bouncing around somewhere uh, might affect your your trajectory by like a tenth of a tenth of a percent or a degree or whatever. And it might just be enough for if you're trying to aim way far out, it might make you overshoot or miss or whatever. Can you imagine just like you're, you're following this flight path very nicely and then all of a sudden you, you lose the flight path and you just <laughs> look over at like, like Jimmy or something and just like... 
Really, Jimmy? Did you not pee? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we told you to go before we left. Yeah, did, did you not Don't make me the... turn this rocket around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if we if we do like uh if we do like okay, so actually this is my Estacada estimation almost came in clutch here because if we just take the cost of the Saturn V mission mm-hmm. um, that I just looked up on Google here, it was like 185 million dollars. And then if we take the mass or the weight of the Saturn V, which is 6.2 million pounds, and you do that, it leads to be like $29 per pound or like $30 per pound. And so if everyone goes to the bathroom, you could save uh, NASA a few bucks. I'm I'm just I'm or like maybe they go make Broad you go estimation, up, maybe yeah. they, maybe they make you go up on an empty stomach or something like you know what I mean like yeah. it's it's such an interesting concept that I'd love to I'd love to like talk with someone about it that's you think we can ask them Thursday maybe, <laughs> probably not do, do you maybe have any questions a, for us an astronaut that's listening I was gonna say if if for whatever reason anyone is out there uh, and has either worked on a mission or as an astronaut and anything like that that has like some sort of knowledge that you can freely share of course. Um, we would love to talk to you and interview you. Again, I've, I've been trying to reach out to uh, people that I think would be, you know, perfect for this podcast, including like engineers, astronauts, like flight controllers, stuff like that. And uh, if you ever know anyone that's interested, please lead them, uh, lead them to at least it's not rocket science, because we would love to, uh, you know, uh, pick their brain on a, a lot of topics that we just don't have the answers to. And you know, frankly, there might be some questions that the audience doesn't have an answer to. Yeah. So. And that's one of them is, do you need to go to the bathroom before you leave? Just like a, lo- <laughs> just like a long road trip, right? I mean, it, it makes, it's like, it's like, it's getting too engineer brain where you're well, like trying to like, hmm, I gotta, I gotta like maximize the amount so of So let's, let's cost think about this fuel. more too, like in a practical sense, because how many G's are you experiencing going up? I, I don't know off the top of my head. I know that just in like fighter jets and stuff, if you go too fast, you'll just vomit. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't have anything in your gut, you're yeah. not going to. Vomit well, and like have that. our rocket experience, what six on flight up? Ten on flight up. That, that was ten G's on flight up. Yeah. Oh, the max was at the immediate. Okay, I didn't know if that was from the parachute deploying. Well, the eight G's is when our parachute deployed. Okay, I was but ten say. is from max acceleration. So I'm their rockets go a lot faster than ours does. Yeah. So I could imagine they probably feel a at around ten G's, eight G's, something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they try to empty their stomach out beforehand. Yeah, so that just makes sense. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. It does. It is engineer brain. They, they had their helmet on and everything. Yeah, oh, like, oh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be, so that'd, bad be not, they... that'd be gross. I wonder oh. if that's ever happened, actually. That's, that's another fair to, question. You're meant to pass out when you're going up, right? I don't think you're meant to, but it's like I think all the blood is being pushed to the back of your brain. Well, I, I remember talking with someone or reading something. I can't remember. This was ages ago where... They purposely try to make you pass out because then they time how long it takes you to get back oh, to, to for your brain to like mm-hmm. restart. And they incorporate that into the flight path. So they'll be like, okay, we can have it automated here, and then you should wake oh, up there. That would be and interesting. And then you can pilot. You know, that cer- sort of thing. Certainly like an off button for your brain is what it is. At the very it? least, be like, oh, can you pilot the whole way up? That'd be great. But if you can't, you got to... Yeah. You gotta be able to know that. You gotta be able to <laughs> ride the lightning for a yeah. little bit. I was there. Say, I'm not gonna lie. It kind of reminds me of a kind of going into like futuristic Halo. You know how the the cryogenic sleeping chambers. Yeah. You just hop into there while your autopilot does its thing, and once you get to the planet, you just come well, out. It's gonna have. It's, it's gonna extreme, have. But it's gonna yeah, have to. Like, <laughs> it's gonna have to be like that, dude. Like that's just wild to think about. Like I'm just waiting for ODSTs, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, Go ahead. Uh, so, guess how many G's are three. experience? Wow, you just looked at my my screen. No, I didn't. Oh, then yeah, three. Yeah, I did. Three G's. I looked at your screen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, three G's. That's kind of uh, wild to me. That I'd it's expect that low. more. Yeah. Well, I guess now that I think about it, our rocket is also carrying a lot less mass. Like our, we're we're carrying like a payload, but it's not li- like most of the rockets are payload, and so our rocket takes off probably much quicker than they start off. But their overall speed is going to be like way higher, you know. Yeah. Like the acceleration we feel is probably going to be higher as compared to these rockets. It's just relative, relative motion. So yeah, exactly. Because yeah, they're right. moving a huge amount of mass, and you're acclimating as it goes up. Right. But still, you're, you know, the change in pressure, the change in air density, the change in gravity, actually, and the change in speed that you're you're moving at. I'm fi- I'm pulling up a video of the Saturn V launching now. Oh yeah, see look. Like they they light up the engines and it just kind of sits there for a second, and then they got to let it off. I guess too. Meow. They're lighting them up, and they're probably just gonna unclamp them. 
Yeah, see, like they're like they're ways like they they the astronauts that went to the moon. They the it's like the Saturn V launches like way slower than uh than like a, a typical model rocket. Yeah. I, again, it sounds stupid to say that, but like they're, they're carrying a lot more. Mass, they're carrying yeah. a lot more. You know, how many tons? Six point two million or tons. Six point two million pounds. So whatever mm. that is divided by two thousand. So it's That's probably, a lot. It's like it's like thirty or it's like three thousand something. Math. Three thousand and something. Not like you're an engineer. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> now you gotta make me do it. It's like a three one five zero. Guess the mock that the rockets go at. Uh, like max. Yeah. Uh, two one. What? what oh, three one hundred. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, look at I that. can do math. Uh, the mock, the mock, the maximum mock. I know that it goes like eighteen thousand, whatever that is in mock. So let me do, let me do math real quick. Well, the uh, I'm trying to remember when the the Dragon Six was going up. They had like a little speedometer. Yeah, on there overlaying I'm the, trying to on re- the shoot. Yeah, I was trying to remember mock t- mock twenty eight, twenty five. Pretty close then. I was like eighteen eighteen thousand is a number that's always in my head. Maybe that might be reentry. Is what I'm thinking of. Reentry is a thirty-five or, or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we learned that in gas dynamics, Kyle and I. Yeah, that going to being the fastest human beings ever <laughs> by just reentering the earth. But it's funny because like when you look at the G's, you experience about one G upon I'm, reentry. Well, it's a it's amazing. Relative velocity is something that's pretty amazing because we mentioned it on the episode with with Nick. But it's like uh, if you go if you just like stand on a ladder that's like the same height. Mm-hmm. as the ISS, you could just, like, still walk around up there because, like, your relative velocity is the same as it is on Earth. Right. But, like, if the ISS, like, flew by you, like, the ISS is going, like, way faster. Like, yeah. look up the ISS speed around the Earth. I'm sure that's going, like, Mach, like, well, 7 or 8. It's, it's Actually, going, no, it's probably going way higher than that. It goes around the Earth in, like, 40 minutes. 17,500 yeah. miles per hour? It yeah. wouldn't be Mach because Mach is in terms of speed of sound through... The what, it's just fluid. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I mean, if you want to listen, get look at this. Look at this guy. <laughs> look at you know this way. guy. Um, but orbit, like, how do, how do we define orbit? Right? It's orbit is just you're falling constantly. It says it says twenty five times the speed of sound, Mister mm-hmm. Mister Metters. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> There's no sound in space. <laughs> they can't hear you scream. Yeah, anyway. well, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know he's not wrong. What? Well, because when you calculate Mach, it's like yeah, your actual you, velocity. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. I don't even think about it like that. I always think about it just multiplied by like the speed of sound. You didn't go to gas dynamics. <laughs> Fair, but we also talked about it in uh, thermodynamics with Doctor Pence. A little bit, but yeah. at that time it's like yeah, thermo squared. But it was really interesting. If you're a student, and you're listening to this. I think you should totally take gas dynamics. Take Doctor Pen- really Doctor Pence's class too. Yeah, that too. It was you know very at Oregon interesting. State. At Oregon State, yes. Specifically at Oregon State. Specifically, Only. yeah. Don't go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, I highly recommend Doctor Pence as well. Uh, I had her for thermo, and I will say, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know half the things I know from thermo. I feel like I didn't like like grade wise. I didn't do like. I could I could have probably done better, but like learning wise, I learned like so much. Mm-hmm. Like which I, I kind of is kind of my goal here at school is my hope that I learn things. Well, so, I mean, with the amount of money being spent, <laughs> I would hope that I get a good grade and a good and and learn. But you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. You graduate like and be like JJ, what'd you learn? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to do a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah the the dragon launch stuff. I also like that they named it Dragon. That's a cool. Name. I also yeah. like their emblems. Yeah. What is dragon the emblem? One to dragon five. Mm-hmm. The dragon six. You were posting that out. in our Discord, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was uh, talking with Ian about it and how they incorporate the number. I think it's from two to four into the patch to make it look pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, that's cool. But dragon awesome. three has like there. See how that has like the flame and it's three and has the dragon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's. Did you ever? Did you guys ever think about this? Is different dragon, but this is the Artemis mission. Did you ever think about how the capsule for the Artemis is called Orion? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what's funny about that? I know exactly where you're gonna go into. I, I know. Say it, Nathaniel. I know several <laughs> different versions of the story. Okay. And they're good. all kind of ironic. The Orion belt. No. 
No. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> look at this guy. Is that is that safe to have on this podcast? Prepare to learn uh, Artemis in Greek mythology. Uh, the hunter goddess. She she killed Orion, who was a giant. The same Orion that you see in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny that the Artemis missions have the Orion capsule. Learning. Well, it was, uh, if you want to get... <laughs> I'm gonna expand on that. There's there's some there's it some mythology of, behind there's, this. So the form of torment was that she put him in the stars mm-hmm. and then created the the Scorpio constellation. Yeah. Uh, because when you're in the Mediterranean, the Orion and Scorpio constellations are on both uh horizons. Mm-hmm. So it's always Scorpio chasing Orion oh, across I the see. stars. And that's they actually use that in text ancient text as a form of navigation so it's like oh what time is it it's uh oh scorpio is at this degree and look at this sailor knowledge over here i just you know you can navigate by a lot of things a lot of it is from stars and if you're in that same little area of water you can kind of you know track these movements yeah it's like oh you can use it as a time of uh or as a time device because Mm -hmm. it's an, an almost constant or you can or seasonal and daily. Oh, it's, uh, you know, which position is uh, Orion in at this time of year? Oh, yeah. it's time to sow your oats. You yeah, know, like, you know. <laughs> sow your oats. Time to... I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember what they ate. You know, they... Time to sow your oats in ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was, it's an it's a interesting story. Um, I love the, the mythology behind all this stuff. I mean, like, Apollo is Apollo mission. Artemis is brother. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just, like, a classic that people don't think about. It's like, boom. You know what I think is funny? What? When they sent uh, Juno, the Juno mission, mm-hmm. out to check on Europa. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> like, hmm. hmm. So, someone know, there. <laughs> you're, you're a resident, not, not not saying that you don't know anything, but you're a resident not Greek mythology and Roman mythology knower. Do, would you, do you know what that, why that's funny? No. You're acting like the audience right now. It's perfect. Juno yes. <laughs> is Hera in Roman mythology. Basically, they're one and the same. And Jupiter is Zeus. Mm-hmm. And Zeus has some historic es- escapades for infidelity. <laughs> and so Juno, his wife, was going to check on him. Check on Europa, <laughs> which was, was one of his lovers. Zeus's first wife. Yeah. In some cases. It's why uh, Europe is called Europe after Europa. One of Zeus's first flings, or and and or wives. Basically, every what? single moon. So the the Galilean moons, uh, Io, Callisto, Ganymede, um, Europa, and is, am, I, am I missing one? I Io, Europa, Callisto, Ganymede. Was Ganymede one? Yeah, Ganymede is like the biggest moon of the solar system. Mm. Those are like all. I think I. They may be missing one. I don't think so though. Anyway, they're all like Zeus's like ex lovers in Greek mythology, Greek and Roman mythology. So it's pretty funny that they're like the biggest moons that go around them, and that that one mission was going to look at all of them. <laughs> so his wife is going to go check on his. Uh, go checking in on him. Like, hmm, what, what are you doing with? I, the- I, I love that NASA <laughs> names things like that. They're like, hmm, this would be funny if people get this. It's like <laughs> let's just name it that. Yeah. So someone make, making these uh, name decisions is definitely. A, I want to uh, be the NASA namer. That'd be, my, that'd be my role. A, I wonder if that's like a dedicated position. That's another thing. Or we if gotta it's ask like the, or if it's like the the principal investigator of the mission who decides the title. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think about like all the acronyms they use. But also, before we get too far, Saturn is the best planet. Don't at me. Best planet. Any arguments here? I mean, my gamer tag Saturn. So <laughs> what was that? My gamer tag Saturn. <laughs> Bingo. See, <laughs> any argument? All right, we're I, in agreement here. Every other planet stinks. Saturn's the best. <laughs> Earth included. It's also co- yeah, exactly. It's also cooler. Like Titan, like the only one of the few moons, not only moon, but one of the few moons with like a substantial atmosphere. I think Ganymede has like a little baby one, but you know, it's also the second largest moon in the solar system. Like, come on, don't at me. Drop the Huygens probe on it. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> so what? At what, JJ. Yeah, yeah. At yeah, you can at me at H A N N A. <laughs> na at oregonstate.edu make sure you tell me just how much you hate me and my decision to love saturn or not uh, at c-o-l-t-o-n-j at oregonstate.edu yeah that's nathaniel's email you don't want to email that 
<laughs> no, that's JJ's email. <laughs> um, I think that we're we have to wrap up here soon. Our our time is coming to no an way, end. No way already. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I guess you got a little taste of all of the stuff that's been going on with us, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, we might have some interviews lined up. We'll see. Um, but if not, we also hope to get a an episode about food science in. Uh, we don't want to eat in the studio here, but uh, we're going to try to get an episode out where we can eat, and uh, it'll be an interesting tale to talk about. It'll be a long time coming because we promised to do this like what, uh, episode yes, two, several three? weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> and then be sure to tune in after the twenty fifth because we'll be talking about our second addendum flight and the hopeful uh, success of it, <laughs> and then probably Alabama prep. Yeah, exactly. All right, boys. So we're gonna try something new too. I'm gonna I'm gonna count down to three. Okay, on the count of three, we see the line. Are you ready? One, two, three. And at, at least, least it's, it's not, not rocket science. science. There we go. All right, everyone. Have a good night and goodbye. Griffin, uh, Tranquility Base.